Romans chapter 1. If you're glad to be here, say amen. Amen. I tell you what, I'm, I'm excited about being here, but I'm about as nervous as I can be. This is a great book, and to try to teach it and to do it justice, I'm telling you, I, I'm not up to the task by myself. Like I told you, I think the first week I started in this, I'm not standing here by myself, and I'm really trusting in Him. So I would ask you to pray for me. We're looking at the beginning of this great book the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Rome. We don't know where he wrote it from, but we do know, according to the Word of God, that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to find out that Paul had a great desire to visit Rome. He finally made it, didn't church a penny. The Roman government paid for his passage. Of course, he went there and changed and and handcuffs, but I just I think that's kind of amazing, really. I think God's got a great sense of humor, and many things come out that way. But we started last week in in the introduction. The first, well, the first actually thirteen verses are both introduction. It's a part of a salutation and also a presentation of Paul to his uh, to his people that he's writing to. But we're still in the salutation of the letter, and we're just early in verse 1. I'll read it. I'll read two or three verses. I'll not read all seven again this time. But Paul said this, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel, which he had promised afore by his prophet in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God, and according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Now last week, we, we started out thinking and talking about what an important thing it would have been to have been at a church, at a city, or, or in an area like Galatians, and somebody come and say, hey, I've got can anybody remember how important it was and exciting to receive a letter through the U.S. Post Office? Pre-email days. That was a big deal. When I was a kid, getting a letter addressed, and I remember the first one I got was to Master Tom. Isn't that, you know, what wasn't Mr. or wasn't old enough, but Master Tom. That's an exciting thing. Well, imagine, and yet I do. When I get in the Word of God, I get excited. This wasn't written directly to me, but it's written for me, and I'm thankful for that. So when they read that, the first word of this epistle was Paul. Now, look, Paul had never been there. There were some, no doubt, saints that were in Rome, like Aquila and Priscilla, that, that knew him, that had, that had crossed paths with him, even served with him. When we get to chapter 16, we'll find that out. But boy, this was a big deal to get a letter from Paul the Apostle. And look, you'd think he would say Paul the Apostle. But he started with a servant. And we talked about that quite a bit last week. Talked about how that he was seeing himself, presenting himself as a bond slave. He knew, and we're going to add to that a little bit, that he was no longer his own because it goes on to say, I'm separated unto the gospel. What do you all think that means for the Apostle Paul? I mean, look, let me, let me set this up. Now, we, we take Christianity just kind of for granted. I mean, let me ask you all something. Did it cost any of you all very much as far as your position, your notoriety, 
your family? Did, did, did it cost you any of that when you repented and gave your life to Jesus? Wasn't it really a big deal? Most of families are happy, they're excited, they're encouraging. But you know what? For the Apostle Paul, it was a big deal. It meant a great deal to him. But what do you think Paul was saying when he said, look, I'm separated under the gospel? That would mean, what was he separated from? His family, his friends, the world, who else? What else? He did. That was undeniable, wasn't it, Great. They had a call to something. That means you had to come from something to... When, when, when you're separated, it means you go from something to something. Anybody else? The law. What else? What else was Paul known for? What was he big in? Judaism. And do you all know that the Word of God talks about Judaism? Well, I'm going to give it a phrase or a term or, or describe it, not the way the Bible does, but the Bible calls it the Jews' religion. It had become a dread religion at this time. The law had its purpose. Let me tell you something. The law was perfect. The law was holy. The law was good. The law succeeded in the purpose for which God gave it, instituted it, but it became something dead. But Paul, listen now, Paul, when he, when he heard the call, like Greg said, when, when on the road to Damascus, I told you this last week or the week before, the only man I think that could have stopped Paul and convinced him that this man that all of Judea had heard about that had been crucified, buried and resurrected was the Christ, was the Son of God, was the Messiah, was, friend, uh, the one that was promised by the prophets of old. And I believe when Paul saw the nail prints in his hands, it changed him. He said, Lord, what would you have me to do for you? That's what we pray every Tuesday. We've been doing that for years here at Roxalana. And from that moment on, at that call, God didn't tell him exactly. He sent him to Damascus after three days. And I imagine they were anguishing days for the Apostle Paul. Blind in a place that, uh, that he didn't know. They thought that, uh, like Ananias and others, no doubt thought Paul was deceiving them. And he was on a ruse to get many of them together and no doubt to take them uh, to jail. But God was getting that man ready. And he had been, listen to this, all his life for the commission that he was going to call him to, and that was to apostleship. I'm going to pick that back up again here in just a minute, talk about the word apostleship. I'm trying to decide whether to wait until we get in the fifth verse or, or mention a little bit now. But Paul was separated from some things to something, and that, that he was separated under the gospel. From the, time, from the time that he met Jesus Christ, can I tell you all, nothing else mattered for Paul. His life was all about Christ. His life was all about spreading the good news. I mean, Paul even told one of the churches, he said, Look, folks, I'm not willing to just, just but what did he say? To be spent for you, to be, but to be spent for you, to give everything to it. You know what? I believe that's the way we ought to do what we do when we minister. Anybody agree with me? Give it all we got. Don't hold anything back. Now, my nature is, and, and, and I'm an LPC, you all know that, I like a professional counselor, it's not a big deal, but, but I'm thankful for it. I mean, it took a lot of work to get it, but, but in counseling, you got a question? 
All right, hold on a minute. But in counseling, there, you know, under my tutelage and my mentorship and whatnot, I learned that there's a lot of them that wants people just to do discovery. And counseling has discovery in it. It's a wonderful thing when people get it. But here's my philosophy, my theory in counseling. Somebody's coming to me, it's got a problem, and they're, they're, they're coming for answers. If they knew the solution, they wouldn't be coming to me. So if I've got one, I want to tell them, I want to help them, I want to instruct them. That's just my nature. And when I get something in the study, when I get to the pulpit, it may not be much, it may be exciting to me, it may be just old, old news to you. You know what I want to do? I want to give it all. I don't want to hold anything back. When I, and, and that's the way Paul was, man. He was just stirred for the Lord all the way through. Doug? Yeah, he had to give up sin, Satan, religion. It all come at the same time. If you, if, if you want to, you know, put them in a categorize and list them one and two, yeah, he, he might start the list. But yeah, his religion stood in his way more than anything else. Yeah. With, yeah, without a doubt. It, it, it happens, you know, simultaneously. I mean, you can't go from one to the other. You can't be separated. He's separated. I, 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 and, and I put my notes on, on the Internet. You all can have them if you want to download them or on PDF form. And I wrote, he's, Paul separated from old things to new things. That pretty well sums it up. He even wrote a verse of Scripture about that in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. He said, if any man be in Christ, or since or in light of the fact any man be in Christ is, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. And when Paul, listen, came to Christ, he came out of Judaism. I mean, I mean that was the thing of the past. Now, if you remember, I, I think I said that for three years, according to the Word of God, he spent three years in the Arabian desert. He went to school with Jesus. And the Lord at that time, no doubt in my mind, enabled him to, to um, what's the right word? To frame out, if for lack of a better phrase, uh, the, the, the theology of the New Testament. For instance, salvation by grace through faith. And here a man that had been uh, schooled by Gamaliel, and, and he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, the Lord of God tells us in Philippians chapter 3, to hear that, that it's no longer works, but it's by the free uh, gift of the grace of God, had to just absolutely make him scratch his head. I imagine at times maybe even stood up, walked away and said, it cannot be that way. But Paul, he had murder. He had madness in his heart. Yes, he did. He had to give up. Yeah, he had to give up his lifestyle, his friends. It cost him. It, it cost him, you know, his Jewish heritage even because he was a new man. I, well, I'm, I'm sure, but I can't answer that. Well, that's what I say. Yeah, it goes with the change, but why they chose what they do, I don't know. And I think that's what you were asking, right? Oh, I, I do too. It, it came with the newness, what you know, the new creation, the new birth, the conversion. We forget that word, but why Paul? I, I can't tell you. Well, that, that may be. I mean, there was a purpose in it, and, and the, we know the cause behind it was because of a new creature. Okay? Look, I'm Tom, but I was Tom before that. So, you know, he could still have the testimony, still have an effect. And they never forgot that he was Saul of Tarsus, although he was now Paul the Apostle. I'll guarantee you that. David? I, I agree. We're all in agreement on that. But I heard Sharon, and I could have missed your question, why did they name him Paul, right? It, it, 
we, we know all about the newness. We know that he became a new man. And that's why, like Greg said, we, we know that's why he was changed. It was evidence of that. I mean, like Greg said, we can go back, and I thought about that. And I wasn't going to until Greg said it. When Abram went to Abraham, when Sarah went to Sarai, went to Sarah, when Jacob went to Israel, we, we can look at all those and, 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 and tell why. I mean, even Solomon had a name, Jedediah, beloved of the Lord. Uh, but why Paul, the name Paul was chosen, I don't, I don't know. I really don't. Does anybody? Did you ever study that? It's a good question. And I'll, I'll look, sis, but I don't know if they'll find anything. But it cost Paul something. I mean, I mean, today if somebody is converted out of Judaism into Christianity, it costs them more than we can imagine. When somebody is converted from Catholicism into Christianity, it costs something, doesn't David? And part of David's cost is his family. What I'm saying is what I think the Lord is trying to illustrate tonight to us, and we, we ought to make a good application to it. Listen, friend, how many of y'all are saved in here? Say amen. amen. Well, we have been separated from the world unto God. Now, we're living in a time when that's not preached a whole lot. We're living in a time when, you know, you just profess Christ and go and live like, like you want. Look, I know this word that's separated isn't, isn't hagios or or holiness, holy, but it has the idea behind it. We, hey, listen, we may not be saintly all the time, but we're saints. Let me try that again. We may not be saintly all the time, but we're all the time saints. We have been separated. We've been called. We've been set aside for the use of God Almighty. It's as if, friend, listen, when we got saved, God put a sticker on us and said, Christ's use only. You ever see a truck with farm use only on it? I love that. I love those kind of trucks. I'm telling you, I've had a couple of them myself. But that's, that's the way we ought to be. We ought to be separated unto Him. We ought to be separated from sin to service. We ought to realize that we've been set off for a very, very specific reason, and that is to worship the Lord and also to carry the gospel. We're going to find a little more about that in verse 16 as far as the gospel and our debt that we owe. Yeah, I knew that, but I, 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 don't, I still don't, you know, I still don't know why Paul was chosen. I have no idea. I have no And I've run in my memory banks and through all my studies, I can't, I'm not pulling out anything that, that I don't know, sis. I don't know. Yeah. And that's what I was telling um, Gail, that though he was Paul, they still knew him as Saul. Can't get away from your history. Can't get away from your, you know, from, from your testimony in your life. So why that? I don't know. Somebody do some reading and digging. Good. I mean, I, I, I like these kind of questions. You got, you got something? Oh, no, that makes very good sense. Because, wait, before you go any further, somebody tell me why that, that makes good sense then. Because he was a Roman. He was a Roman citizen. That, that makes sense. He said that, that Paul was his Roman name. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, I like that, Greg. That's good. Yeah. Oh, Lord, yes. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Because he was the, the apostle of the Gentile, without a doubt. N listen. Yeah, I think so, too. And that's what's great about Bible study. Names, this may be 
wrong, and I don't want to upset anybody, but names, it seems to me in this, in this day, don't seem to matter to parents what they call their kids. There, there's no seemingly significance in the name they choose. And almost sometimes, you know, the stranger the better. Well, in Bible days, that's just not true. But that, that's good. Thank you for that, Greg. That, that makes perfect sense because Paul's daddy was a Roman. We spoke about that either last week or in, or the, or in the introduction. And Paul himself was a freeborn Roman citizen. Now, that helped him immensely uh, in the ministry that, that he did and, and through the times that he was imprisoned and uh, saved his life a couple of times. And what Steve said, too, it would give him great credence. Doors would open or acceptance. Uh, of Paul to the Gentile world that he was called to, like Peter was to the Jewish world, to preach the gospel. That's good. That's good. Man, I'm glad I come. Sure enough. So, he, 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 was, he was a servant called to be an apostle. Now, let's spend a couple of minutes. If we need to expand on this, we'll do it when we get to verse 5. Mike asked a question last week. He said, when I was talking, I said, I believe there are 12 apostles. Okay. I spent a few minutes telling you why I believe there are 12 apostles and not 13 or 14 or even 16. Depends on the different uh, commentary that you read after the scholar or whatever. They, they count different, different people. They, they'll count Matthias, who was chosen by Peter and the other 120 in the upper room. They'll count Barnabas. They'll count Titus. They'll count uh, maybe Epaphroditus and maybe a couple of others. But I hold to the fact that there are 12 apostles. One of the reasons, and I didn't mention this in our study last week, how many, how many walls on the city is there that John spoke about in chapter 20 or 21? 12. 12 of them, weren't there? How many gates? You know, the gates had what? The tribe's name and the walls had the apostles' name. Yeah. Now, who... I just told you, though, so that's, let me back that up. We know, go, go to Acts 14, all right? Go to Acts 14. Look, when, when I teach and I say things, I, I never, never have an intention of trying to not be honest with you all. I, I don't have an agenda, don't want to cover anything up. But I, I, I do know that you all know that we, we never try to understand what is obscure, or we never tried to understand something by what is obscure. If you went home and did any kind of study like I did last week, that's what, that's what my Thursday morning study was after I did my radio program. I spent time digging and reading about apostles. I mean, I, 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 my heart rate goes up and, and my blood pressure goes up when I think I've taught something Wrong. I'll never do that intensely. I may do it ignorantly. I've done it probably far too many times. But when I'm aware of it, I go home and dig myself out. And if I'm wrong, I'll come back and tell you. If I'm right, I'll just, I'll just continue to stand and say, as I understand this. So as I got home, I began to read and look and see how many times the word apostle or apostles are used. Does anybody know? 42 times. At least 28 times you'll find them in the book of Acts. Maybe 33 when you get all of the different tenses of apostle or apostles or possessive in the book of Acts. I write that down, but that, that's a number 
that comes to me. How many times do you think that the New Testament refers to somebody as an apostle? Um, that may not be, that we know for sure wasn't chosen by God, uh, didn't see the resurrected Savior. How many times? Maybe three at the most. So let's look at the first place. In, in, in Acts 14 and 14, Paul and Barnabas were at Lystra, and this is where they called one of them, they, they, they thought they were gods. They called one of them Jupiter and the other one, um, what was that, Mercurius. Okay? Until they preached the message they didn't like, and then they wanted to kill them. If y'all didn't know it, people were fickle. Totally fickle. But listen to what he said in verse 14. Well, let, let, me, let me get it in verse 12 and get you a little flow. And they called Barnabas, Jupiter, Paul, Mer Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands into the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out. Now that, that word apostle there could very well mean not the twelve. Because you, when, you, when you do the research out, on this, when, when it's talking about the twelve, that the ones that Jesus chose, you'll see it call, them called the apostles. It'll be kind of definitive. Um, but here, the word could mean a special messenger. Barnabas was a special man. If y'all agree with that, say amen. We run into him. Does anybody remember the chapter where we first run into him in Acts? The latter part, if I'm remembering correctly, of chapter 4. He's the guy that sold all of his land, gave it to Peter and said, do with it what you want. Y'all remember that? They called him the son of consolation. So here he was, he was related with the apostles, spent a lot of time with them, no doubt. And uh, he was used and sent by the apostles on certain missions. And we'll bear this out. Turn quickly to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we'll look at verse uh, we'll look at verse twenty three. Brother Greg Carney just started in a series uh, in his Sunday morning class on the book of Second Corinthians, chapter eight. Chapters eight and nine are probably the greatest chapters in the Bible on giving, on Christian giving, and uh, uh, we have a record of what was going on. Paul wanted to go to uh, Jerusalem take a offering, an offering that the churches had given, especially the church of Corinth, back uh, to Jerusalem because it was seeing some hard times. The place where the gospel started from went out into all the world, and now it needed minister to. It, it did ministering to the world, and now it needed ministering to. You can go home and read the whole context, but listen to what he said, and here you'll see the, the word that... Uh, that, that uh, I want to emphasize here in verse 23 of chapter 8 of Second Corinthians. He said, Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you, or our brethren, be inquired of, they are the messengers of the churches and the glory of God. I'm, I know, now look, I'm not another Bible enthusiast, Bible version enthusiast. If y'all heard that, say amen. But in reading commentaries and doing study, I come across things in other versions of the Bible. That word messenger is apostle. They put apostle there. 
And that, that's okay. What is the basic definition of an apostle? Someone sent with a message. And that's simply what it was. Yeah, thank you, Mike. And that's what I was going to wrap this up on. So you just, no, no, I love it. I love that. That doesn't bother me a bit. That's exactly what it is. There is difference than in the word apostle. It, it's perfectly applicable. It's perfectly legitimate to call these men. Look, I'll finish it in a minute. I get sidetracked. Oh, there goes a bird. Uh, we're living in a day where people are talking about apostles. And also prophets. Well, there is no prophets and no apostles like Paul and the other 11. Everybody heard me say that? Say amen. I don't care what any denomination says. But if they use those terms, speaking of, say, an evangelist who is a messenger, I don't have a problem with that. If they don't cause them to puff them up real big, and that's what they're really doing. So the word, and that's why I said when I began this, contextually, it's got to be understood in the context where we find it. It is a perfectly legitimate word to use, but like Mike said, whether it be a big A or a little A. Now, the apostles are not always set off by the big A, like son is, but the way to illustrate your point was well done and well taken. So that, that's the thing. It's, if you do your research and whatever, you may find the word, and I was going to give it the Greek, but I can't see it in my head, so I can't, which means uh, a one cent with a message. So I don't think either one of them are good. But I said I, I can understand why people may. I don't think that's the way they use it, the way I'm saying it. Like, instead of saying whether they're the messenger of God, they're saying the apostle. Because, hear the difference in that? Oh, he's an apostle. Well, he's a messenger. Y'all hear the difference? So I don't, I, I don't like it. I wouldn't use it, never use the terminology of it. I reserve it generally for the twelve. I mean, it's a special calling, a special office, a special group, and there are no apostles today or prophets. If you hear somebody call themselves that, you want to get up and leave. We're all disciples. We're all disciples. That, that, a disciple is just a follower of and learner of Christ. But, uh, yeah, it's good. You want to say that again? Give me an opportunity to say something. Amen! Oh, but people do, Steve. I know you can't. It is a calling when it comes down to it. Okay, but we're living in strange times. People are calling. Listen... And it's, and it's inching its way in... Look, y'all have heard of Oprah. You know, she, she's a big purporter of New Age. And New Age tells everybody that they're gods. Do y'all know that's creeping into Christianity? Now, here's her mindset. Listen, it's, it's this, this logic, which is not logic, and it's no theology, it blows me away. They're saying that God is God and His Son is God. And everybody would say amen to that, right? Oh, they'd say, well, now that we're born again and we're in the family of God, then guess what we are? I'm telling you, let me take it a little bit further. I, I made mention of this the other day in a message. That, that there are some people too and say that, that Jesus, because... Let me do it to you again. How many of y'all say, say amen? That means you're sons and daughters in the family of God, right? Well, you know what they're saying now? Since we're sons, that means Jesus is... I even hate to say this. This is almost blasphemous. That means Jesus is not the only begotten. We've got people teaching and preaching and leading congregations. And when you hear them in communication on, on, on YouTube places, 
People act like that's the greatest truth they've ever heard. We're, listen, folks, we're in a mess. I was talking to a preacher friend this morning, and we were talking about the difference in the kind of preaching we used to do to what we do now. And he said, you know what? There wasn't a need of the type of preaching then, when I first started 45 years ago, that there is now. We, listen, we need doctrinal teaching and preaching today more than ever Amen. in my life. It's always been necessary. Don't take me wrong. But to emphasize it and root the church and ground them in the truth, listen, go to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, and it'll pick up back where Steve's at, and we gotta, we got to go. Um, Chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians. Um, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great chapter. Um, Paul was talking about the church in this, in this epistle. And the church was made up of Jew and Gentile. Uh, the middle wall petition, the, wall, the law had been broken down. And Jew and Gentile met together in Christ. They're one in Christ. They don't lose their identity. They're still Jew or still Gentile. But, but that makes no difference to Christ and in Christianity. They, they don't lose their identity. They just become a new creature in Christ. When you go to the Temple Mount, even to this day, if you're ever privileged to do that, I would encourage you. Under, under the law, there were different courts for different people. There was the, there was the court of the women. There was the court of the Gentiles. And and before you could go any further, getting inside the you know inner sanctum, so to speak, there for the Gentiles, there was a wall that says, and it had a warning on it. And, and I'm not going to give you the, the verbatim, but in essence it says, you go beyond, beyond this wall, you're a dead man. That's as far as you know anybody could come, stay out. You, you, weren't, you weren't allowed to go. So in this, as you read... Paul talks about the middle wall petition that's been broken down. I'm going to pick it up in verse 19 and 20, and when I read it, you'll understand why. Thinking about the 12 apostles and the 12 foundations of the new city John saw coming down from God out of heaven. Now, therefore, you're no more strangers and, and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. They laid the foundation. And, the fa and I'll pick it up later when we get down to verse 16. They laid the foundation of the church, which is the gospel. That's the primary message. Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected. That, that's, that's what this whole thing is built upon. And that's what Paul said, I'm separated unto. And we should be too. I mean, it was Paul's life for him to get the message out to a lost and a dying world. So I hope that was fruitful tonight, really. I mean, I told y'all when I started this, the first week I said, you know, when we start this, one of two things are going to happen before we get done with this. Either I'm going to die or the Lord's going to come. And I don't really care when sometimes, just to be honest with you. But uh, we may pick up speed as long as you all don't care, I don't care. All right? So it is fruitful. So dig in. Look, if you look at verse 2, just come back next week with some places out of the Old Testament where you think you can see the gospel preached. If we get down to verse 3, see if you can see the virgin birth in that, chapter, in that verse. I saw it this time like never before. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid. I'm supposing the message of many things is in more places in that book than what I can see them at this point. Uh,